And then I would also say this, that uh, Tammy shared about a number of summer outreach events. Our, our heart here, our spirit is really to love our community, to bless our community. So there's just different ways we try to do that throughout the year. And those are opportunities that you're all welcome to join us at any one of those that you can uh, participate in. So we have been doing a series the last few weeks called Fully Human, Fully Alive, dealing with sort of our spiritual life and, and the, the formation of our spiritual life and, and walking out life in the Spirit. So we're going to continue that today. I want to start with a, a little story from the life of Moses, going back to the Old Testament. Uh, I, I, I really love the story, just Moses' life. Uh, you know, there's so much there, the, the hand of God, the providence of God on him. Uh, I want to look at one little snippet from the life of Moses, story that you're all familiar with. Uh, You know, as Moses was uh, growing up and he he grew up in slavery, uh, so he saw an Egyptian uh, person mistreating one of his countrymen, killed him, and then later found out that uh, maybe some people saw that. He he was frightened, so he left. He left the country, uh, and as he was wandering comes upon a, a group of women who are taking care of some sheep. Some guys try to run them off. So he steps in and he intervenes and he sort of helps them out. And they go back and tell their dad, hey, this guy helped us today. So he invites him over. They have dinner. The next thing you know, he marries the daughter and lives happily ever after. Not quite, but for a while. So look, here's my, my thing is that Moses did. He intervened. I think the providence of God was on him. So now he has a new home. He has a new family. He has a new job. Everything's going well for him. And one day he's out uh, sort of just doing the thing. He's, he's watching his father-in-law's sheep. He's taking care of the sheep. That's his job. And he sees a weird thing. Uh, over here is a what? A bush of burning. There's a bush of burning. So he, he, he thinks to himself, Oh, you know, that bush is burning, but it's not burning up. It's still burning. Uh, this is an odd sight. I think I'll go see what's happening. And he goes over to, to the bush, and, and he finds out that it's actually, in fact, God, God's presence there is causing this phenomena, and he enters into conversation with God. Uh, God uh, reveals himself, Moses, Moses, it's me, the God of your fathers. Uh, Moses takes his sandals off. He's, he's frightened. Uh, he's speaking with God. God says, hey, look, I know what's going on. I know what's happening with your people. I know what's happening in Egypt. I care. I care enough that I'm going to send you back to take care of it. And I want you to be the one to go and interact with Pharaoh. And I'm going to use you to help set your people free. And Moses says, well, look, 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 I, I, I can't. How, I, not me, not me, not me. God says, no. Uh, and then they continue the conversation a, a little further. Moses says, well, he's trying to think of every excuse possible what if I go and I tell them God sent me, but even my own people don't believe me? What if they say, well, who is this God? What do I say? So then here, here's the, uh, the end of their conversation. God said, I will be with you. This will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses says to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is, your, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. So my point in 
that whole story is simply this, that um, God did say he was the God of their fathers. He, he had been their God and been with them always. He did say he was the God who would set them free yet in the future uh, and be with them always. But in identifying himself to Moses that day and asking Moses to identify him to the people, he said what? I am. I am your God. I, I was the God of the past. I will be the God of your future. But also, I am your God right now. I'm here with you now, today. I'm the God of the present. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Uh, I just think it's uh, interesting that the name of God is I am. Uh, he doesn't say I was. He doesn't say I will be. God identifies himself as I am. So what I would like to bring to your attention this morning, hopefully encourage you all in, uh, our title today, I, kinda, I don't always put a title on, but sometimes I think of something clever. The God of Now is our title this morning. So pray with me and we will talk about the God of Now. Lord, uh, I just pray you would open our hearts to receive from you this morning. Uh, allow uh, your Holy Spirit to anoint this time and to anoint your word that it would penetrate our hearts and break through anything uh, that has been built up around our hearts, any callous, any distance, anything that's not true, anything that's not of you, that would keep us back from all that you have for us. In your name we pray, amen. A couple of tendencies I've noticed in uh, churches, groups of Christians, but also just in people in general uh, over the course of my life. Uh, one is there's a tendency from time to time to be fixated on the past. I was at one time uh, on the staff of one of the fastest growing churches in the country. And uh, it was new. It was the new. We were the new kids on the block. And we had a new expression. Worship was different. People had never seen worship, experienced worship like this before. The teaching was new. It was different. The ministry was different. It was new and it was very exciting. And it, it gained a lot of attention. And we were on the cover, our church was on the cover of several magazine articles. ABC News actually came out and did a special on us. Some of you have seen me on ABC. Maybe it was NBC. I don't remember. Somebody did. Uh, that's not why I told you that. I told you that because um, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. But fast forward 10 years and the founding pastor of that church had passed away. And other, the, some of that newness had worn off. And that worship was now being done by other churches. And that teaching was being taught by other people. And that ministry was being done in other places. And it kind of spread, which just really should be a good thing. But in the hearts of a lot of people there, it just seemed like there was sort of this unsettled, this unrest. And kind of they were sort of pining for the good old days. We weren't the center of attention anymore. And people kind of felt like, well, you know, gosh, it's just not the same. And it really went into kind of a, uh, a, a prevailing sort of attitude. Oh, it's just not the same. It's not the way it used to be here. Now, let me just say, at that time, that church was still a church of about 2,500 people. It, it, it still had one of the largest food ministry programs in one of the largest, most populated counties in the entire country. They still saw... People healed on a regular basis. They still saw people converted and come to Christ and their lives transformed on a regular basis. God still did a lot of neat things. They still had, even though it wasn't you know, the only thing on the block anymore, the wonderful, wonderful, precious worship, but it just wasn't the same anymore. 
because people were fixated on the past rather than paying any attention to what God was doing right now. Sometimes I feel a little bit, if I could just I'll say this, like that happened, we've fallen into that a little bit here. I think sometimes we feel like maybe we used to be something and now we're not. And I don't know. Tendency to fix it in the past. We do that in our personal lives as well, don't we? You don't have to raise your hand, but let me just say, I know that for some of you, the past was really good. You've had really good times in your life, and you do tend to look back and wish it was the way it used to be. There also might be some of you for whom your past was not so great, but you also tend to look back on those bad times and, and have allowed those bad times to lock you into that place and not be able to move forward in what God has for you today. So one tendency I've noticed is uh, that tendency to be fixated on the past, but I've also noticed this in people. Sometimes there's a, an equal tendency to be fixated on the future. We're, we're looking forward to what God's going to do so much that it incapacitates us from being able to do anything right now. We even have a little saying, a little catchphrase in the church for people like that. I don't know if you've ever heard this before. Maybe you've heard somebody refer to someone saying they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. Anybody ever heard that? <clears throat> they're just out there. They're living in, in, in they're, they're ready to go to heaven, but so much so that they just have no ability to really function in any sort of real way in God's kingdom today. Uh, what are you doing to me? Gosh. Uh, let me just say this. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw some things out today. I'm going to be really honest. I might offend a few of you. Uh, I'm not really sorry for that, but it's the way it goes. Uh, I, I think that can be especially true in churches that put a, place a lot of emphasis on the prophetic. I have a friend, a very dear friend, who is a prophetic person. Probably, I, I mean, it's, I don't know, maybe the most prophetically gifted person I've ever encountered in my life. Uh, Tremendous, tremendous intimacy and revelation with God. Uh, Has ministered to, literally over years and years, I'm going to say thousands of people effectively. Uh, Actually, some of you. He's ministered effectively and powerfully to some of you. Um, He is currently separated from his wife and in process of divorce. And I want to say this, there, there is no infidelity, no affairs, no outside relationships, no impropriety of any kind. His wife, after 25 years of marriage, just asked him to leave. And she said, look, the, the truth is this, you're not here, and you're not here when you are here, and you live in the future, and I can't take it anymore. During uh, what was, has become known as sort of the prophetic era of the vineyard, some of you few of you might remember back in the kind of late 80s, uh, we would have meetings where prophetic people would speak, and, and it was a, a guy named Paul Kane who was sort of the kind of the top of the prophetic ladder at the time, and when he would show up to speak, thousands and thousands of people would come. Our attendance was already a big church, would double on nights when Paul Kane was going to be there, and, and uh, he, he, he had a a very similar message uh, all the time. Paul's theology was latter rain theology, and he really believed in this sort of end times revival, and so he would speak that out. He would say things like this, there'll come a day when you turn the TV on, there will be no news, only good news, only God news. 
And there won't be any sporting events because the stadiums will be filled with people praising the Lord. And everybody would cheer and shout, Woo! I mean, that's a great message. I love, you know, I don't know. Why would you not say yes to that? That's a good deal, right? Having troubles today, brother. It's all your fault, buddy. Um, here's the thing. I'm, again, I'm being really honest. That was 30 years ago. And uh, that hasn't happened. Now, far be it for me to say that that might not happen, that that won't happen at some point in the future. I don't know. I, I don't know. Maybe it will. I would say two things. One is, even if it does happen in the future, I don't think it should incapacitate us from doing what God wants us to do now. And if we don't do what God wants us to do now, it won't happen in the future. Second thing I would say about that is this. Um, I, I don't think it's. Oh, I don't think that's what the Bible teaches. I, I really believe that, uh, as I read Scripture, it, that in the end, as we progress through time and move closer to the point at which Jesus returns, that the light will get lighter. But I believe it also indicates that the dark will also get darker. Simultaneously, those two things will happen, and we will exist in a, a state of of kingdom warfare. I would say this. I believe over the last 30 years that that has been much more the reality and the evidence. I believe in the last 30 years of my Christian experience that God's light has grown. It's been some amazing things and God's doing some tremendous things. But I've also seen incredible darkness in the world and those things are colliding. Um, I think that's a much more accurate description of what's going to take place than what we heard. But here's the point. The point of bringing that up was that during that prior to, prior to that prophetic time, the vineyard was very much a church that was focused on doing the stuff, the meats in the street, equipping the saints. There, there were literally hundreds and hundreds, thousands and thousands of young people out uh, sharing their faith, praying for people, praying for people you know, at, at, at restaurants and coffee shops and, and at, at different places all around. People were, sharing, people were coming to Christ. People were getting baptized and filled with the Spirit. This stuff was happening. And then during the prophetic era, that all dried up. It all went away. Nobody went out and did anything anymore because they all wanted to come and hear Paul Cain give them a word. And they were just waiting for a word. It's an interesting phenomenon that I don't think anybody recognized right away, but I'm identifying it today. I, just, I, I also think it is a, there's a tendency to do that in our personal lives. I've had more than one or two people tell me, I know my life will be so much better when I get married. If I could just get married. I need a, if, I get, if I could get this job, if I could get this right, this new job, I know everything will be okay. Whatever it is that we're looking forward to, we're looking so forward to that that it at times can incapacitate us from being able to move on. Let me clarify. Uh, I believe history is important. I believe we have a connection and a heritage to the body of Christ throughout history that's important for us to know and important for us to, to, to embrace I'm not saying that. I also believe we have a hope and a future in God. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't look forward to those things too. What I am saying is this, that an overemphasis on either one of those things can cause us to miss out on what God's doing right now. And I think it happens way too often. When God met Moses at the burning bush, he said, I am. 
I, 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 I am your God right now. In this moment, here today, right now, I am your God. And I think that's what God's saying to us. I am your God right now. Yeah, I, I am the God of your fathers, and I will be the God that will take you into the promised land, whatever that is. But I am also your God right here today. It's a little bit like this, I think. We live our Christian lives sometimes. Kind of like when you get married, and at, at your wedding ceremony... Uh, you recite vows, right? You, you say vows. A vow is a vow. It's a promise. It, and you enter in with that vow into a covenant relationship. You make a, a promise. In fact, uh, very, very often, it, those vows will include those exact words. I promise. I promise to do thus and so. I promise to love you this way. I promise to do whatever. We make those vows. But here's the deal. Um, you can say I'm married because I said these vows, but the reality is, if you don't live the vows out, then you're really not. They don't mean anything if you don't live them out. And I think sometimes we live our Christian lives that way. We'll say, uh, you know, I, I said a prayer. I prayed this prayer. I, I accepted Jesus. I surrendered my life to Him. And, and, and so I'm good to go. And, I, and we have a testimony. We can say, yeah, I did that on this particular date at this place, I accepted Christ. I would say to you, the crucial question isn't, did I ever surrender my life to Christ? I would say the crucial question is this, does your life reflect the grace of God, the power of God, the love of God, the forgiveness of God right now? Do, do, are, are, you, are you seeking first God's kingdom today? Are the life, the joy, the peace of God uh, evident in your life when people see you they think of you they talk about you do they see those things and i i I know this may challenge some of you theologically and there's probably people maybe not here but some people would get up and walk out and write me an email uh, about this uh that's okay i don't care I, i i'm not let me say i'm not am i saying that you're not saved no i'm not saying you're not saved i'm saying that that's the wrong question i just said it's the wrong question um I love this verse. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. Just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him. How did you receive Christ as Lord? Was it by faith? Then live your life by faith. Was it by grace? Then live your life in grace. Was it because God forgave you? Then live your life in forgiveness of others. Was it because the Holy Spirit touched your heart and caused you to see and feel and know things differently than you'd known before, then continue to live your lives out in the Holy Spirit. However you receive Christ, continue to walk in Christ. You can send me that email later, Shane. <laughs> I knew I could say that to you. Uh, you know, and I'm, uh, look, I think it's confusing. I, it, look, here's... Let me, I, another verse I, I really love. Jesus says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Let me ask you a question. Normally, typically in life, when you seek for something, what happens? Hopefully, you find it. And when you find it, then what happens? It's not a trick question. You stop seeking, right? I stopped seeking. I found it. I have it. I don't need to seek for it anymore. Isn't that the way it works? If you lose your keys, ladies, <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. 
Guys, guys might lose their keys too, but not nearly as often. It's live from the pit. Okay, let me. Just, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking around. But I'm just saying, if you lose your keys, you look for them, you seek for them, you find them, and then you're done. You stop looking. But the kingdom of God, it's not that way. With the kingdom of God, once we find the kingdom, we, conti- we have to continue to seek for it. We seek for it afresh. We seek for it new. We seek for the kingdom all the time. Every day we're, we're seeking God's kingdom. That's the, the prayer Jesus said to pray. You know, let your kingdom come. Your will be done. We pray that prayer all the time. We don't pray that once and for all. It's the way it works. All right, I'm going to look at uh, one more Old Testament passage today. One more little Old Testament passage just to kind of... Another guy, Jacob. Jacob left Beersheba. He set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. That's the only part I don't get. I just, I'm bugged by that. Why does he use a rock for a pillow? Anybody ever been backpacking, camping? You, you, you use, your, use your backpack for a pillow. Use your coat for a pillow. Use, I don't know. You've got a rock. Um, it's just one of those things. Uh, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. So, Jacob is traveling from Beersheba to Haran. If you go to the back of your Bible, if you, have a, a, if you actually have a Bible, uh, a book Bible, not a Bible on your, your phone, um, there's maps probably back there. And if you look at the Old Testament map, it's got a little, a little uh, key, and you can figure out how far he went from Beersheba to Haran. It's, I think by, my, by the map in the back of my Bible, it's about 400 miles. So that's a, that's a walk, right? That's a good walk. That's, a, that's several days' journey that Jacob is traveling. Uh, so it says he stopped at a certain place. Now, again, he didn't stop there intentionally because it was a special place. Why did he stop there? Because it got dark. It was the end of the day. It got dark. He was tired. He was done walking for the day. He got his rock pillow, and he went to sleep. That's why he stopped no other reason. He just stopped there. Uh, but as he's sleeping, he has this prophetic dream. He has this dream in which he sees this vision. Did I not read the rest of the text? Um, I didn't read the rest of the text. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth. You will spread to the west and the east, to the north and the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And then here's the thing. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid. He said, How awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. So he goes to sleep. He wakes up with a totally different perspective. Uh, surely, surely the Lord is in this place. And I didn't even know it. This place is awesome. This is the, this is the gate of heaven itself. Jacob had what um, psychologists call a reframing experience. An experience that co- allows you to see life in a different way 
uh, John Wimber would call it a paradigm shift. You might have heard that term. All of a sudden, uh, you see things differently than you saw them before. Now look, he woke up in exactly the same place that he went to sleep. Uh, Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. The circumstances of his life are exactly the same when he wakes up as they were when he went to sleep. The only difference is this prophetic dream that he has and in the dream, he sees the angels and God and a stairway to heaven. Somebody should write a song about that. Um, they did? Okay. It, uh, I don't think it was about that, though. It, it, his whole perspective changes. Everything changes. Suddenly, this is a holy place. This is a holy place. This is the gate. This is awesome. Now, I want to tell you, that was a defining moment in Jacob's life. He never was the same again after that. So, let me just ask a question. How much of our lives do we live like that? Surely the Lord is in this place. I didn't know. How much of our lives do we live not aware that God is here with us right now? We're surrounded by angels and we don't know it. We, we are, God is here and we don't recognize it. We Look, you know, if you continue, you read through the rest of uh, Genesis and into Exodus, you, you realize this place where Jacob was, this is nothing special. It's not a unique place, but it is a special place. It's a special place because God was there, not because it's a special place. Does that make sense? God is there. God is everywhere. And, and that was the difference is that Jacob's eyes were open. His heart was open to receive the fact that God was there. God is in this place. This is an awesome place. God is in this place. This is an awesome place. This is holy ground we're on. God's here. Paul says in Acts, in Him we live and move and have our being. We, he's, he's, he, we're in Him. We're in Him all the time. Jesus says this, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Um, again, I think we tend to interpret that as, like when we come to church, we gather in His name, He's here with us, right? We know that. Or if I go to home group, that's a, a meeting. That's Christians getting together. God's there. But I would say this to you. That's, it's not limited to that. God is at Starbucks when we meet there. God is at symposium when we meet there. God, God is in your backyard when you have friends over. God is at the library. He's at the park. He's at the mall. Maybe not the mall, but... No, I'm just kidding. I'm sure God's at the mall. I don't know why he would be there, but I'm sure he is. Um, I forgot. All right. Uh, let me see. Hey, you know, here's a, another verse we like. I'm sorry. I'm just so distracted. Uh, another verse we like to use in the vineyard a lot. We say this. Jesus gave him this answer. I tell you the truth. Uh, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. So what do we say? We want to be like Jesus. We want to do what we see the father doing, right? You know what he says right before that, immediately before that? My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. When is God working? Always. Does that include right now? Yeah, God is working right now. God is working right now. God is working right now. In him we live and move and have our being. This is a holy place. This place is awesome. And we're not even aware. This is I, David puts it this way. Can you read that? The earth is full of his unfailing love. Man. What? 
The earth is full of his unfailing love. It's full of it. It's not a little bit. It's full. God surrounds us. His presence, his love is everywhere we go. We can't escape it. Every moment of every day, God is there with us. We're swimming in his love. We're swimming in it. You know, if you're a godly person, you're pursuing Jesus, you're following after him with your whole heart, you're, you're in the midst of his love. You're swimming in his love. It's all around you all the time. But, you know, if you're not a godly person, if you're not following after God, you're not looking for Him, if you're kind of grumpy, you're mean and evil, you know what? You're still swimming in God's love. It's all around you all the time. You can't get away. You can't run. You can't hide. You can't escape. He's here. He's there. He's everywhere. You, you cannot get away from God. He also says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. NIV translates that the depths. Other older translations call that shale. That's a place of the dead. It's where dead people are. If I go to a place where there's a bunch of dead people, guess what? You're still there. God's there. He's everywhere we go. He's here. He's there. He's all around us. Wherever you are, God is there. If, if If, you, if, you, if, you're in a, if you're in a dark place today, can I just say God's there? If you're struggling with your life right now, if there's things that are so far out of whack that you feel like it's out of control, can I just tell you this? God is there with you. I, I want to say this. If you're, in a, if you're in a bad place, if you're in a dark place, and it's a, it's a dark place of your own making, God's still there. God's still there. If you're dealing with some self-inflicted caca, that's a kind of a theological term, self-inflicted caca, God is still there. John Wimber used to say this. I, I, I loved his insights. He would say, if you step off a curb and get hit by a truck, it doesn't matter if the light was red or green, the pain is the same. And what he meant is, if you have the right of way, and you were right, and you didn't do anything wrong, and you got hit, it hurts. But if, if you didn't have the light, if it was against you, if it was your mistake and you got hit, it still hurts. And anybody that's lived any life at all knows that. You know that the pain of sin hurts, and the pain of sin against you hurts. I would continue that out and say today that the presence of God, the potential for redemption and healing and restoration is the same. Regardless of your situation being foisted upon you by others and by the darkness and the brokenness of this world, or whether it was brought on by your own actions and your own bad choices, it's the same. God is there. The potential for redemption and healing is there. When the doctor gives you the diagnosis that you didn't want to hear, God is there. When your teenagers are out of control, He is there. When you lose your job and you don't know what to do next, God is there. When your life is falling apart, God is still there. Jesus says, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, I love that too. A couple things about little children, okay? Number one, they are full of wonder at everything. You ever notice that? They leaves, balls, butterflies, birds. What they're, they're, I, I, when, I love when I told her last night, she comes over and I take Holden outside. He's a year and a half and I love to walk outside with him. I just hold him and as soon as we walk out the door, he goes like this. 
And he's just in everything. And I don't even know what he's pointing at, but he knows. It's, whatever it is, it's amazing. It's so amazing. They're so full of wonder and they're not missing out on what God has. The second thing about kids is they live in the moment. They live right now. Kids aren't really usually worried about what's going to happen tomorrow or next week or next year. They're alive right now. Can I have a cookie? I mean, that's just it. They don't care about the future. They care about what's happening right now. And here's what happens as we grow up. We become so sophisticated and, and, and and, and so mature and we become conformed to the pattern of this world. Some, uh, it will, you know, the, the, the sameness of it all, the, 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 the familiarity of it all, it just sort of lulls us to sleep. It's just so ordinary, just another day, another day, another, another thing. Same old, same old, been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, right? No, no, it's a different day. It's a different bird. It's a different butterfly. It's a different person. It's a different conversation. It's a different circumstance. It's a different reality. God's here in the midst of it right now. All we got to do is wake up and say, I didn't know you were here, God. You're here. We, we become so sophisticated. We learn about life. What does that mean? It means we pay bills. We go to work. We deal with problems. We, we pay more bills. We buy more stuff. We pay more bills. We just go on and on, and it all becomes the same, and we're so mature. The pattern of this world, when, when, when Paul says in Romans, don't conform to the pattern of this world, the pattern of this world is just selfishness. That's what that means. It's just selfish. Everything becomes something I need to get what I want. That's what everything becomes. When we boil life down to that, we miss out on everything. We're surrounded by life and by love, and we're surrounded by the presence of God, and we walk around in the darkness like, our, like we have these blinders on and we can't see. We're swimming in God's presence, and we don't know it. There's wonder all around us. And like little kids, we're not pointing going, oh my gosh, that's the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I mean, I, I think he honestly believes that. Whatever he's looking at is the most amazing thing he's ever seen until now. And now that is. It's just there. We say we love people, but we don't really love people. We say we believe in God, but it's mostly theoretical. The world is so full of God's steadfast love. It's all, all around us. Last verse. Jeremiah puts it this way. Because of the Lord's great, great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new when? Every single morning. Every morning. We, 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 I, we need a revelatory dream. We need a paradigm shift. We, we, we need, as the people of God today, I believe, just to be able to open our eyes and see what is real. You want me to tell you what's real? You want to know what's real? There's angels all around us. I know I'm not a big angel guy, but that's the, that's the, the theological, biblical reality. There's angels all around us. You want to know what's real? God is in this place. This is a holy place. This place is awesome. That's what's real. You want to know what's real? Uh, my, this is what's real. My father is always at work. That's what's real. God's working right now in and through our lives if we allow him to. Whenever two or more are gathered in my name, I'm there with them. That's what's real. That's not boring. That's not boring. I said to somebody once, you go, man, you, you know, is hard work being a ministry? I go, oh, it's not boring. It's not boring. It's never boring. This moment is a divine moment. This moment is a moment. This moment is unique in all of history. This moment will never happen again. Do you know that? This opportunity to reflect the glory of God, to love somebody else will never happen again. This is a glorious moment. 
This is a moment with eternal significance. You could speak life and truth and healing into somebody's life right now, right now. It'll, and you may not ever have that opportunity again. Look, here, let me just say this. When you leave today, when you walk out, be blessed. Have a tremendous week. Don't forget your kids. And remember that every person you walk past, every person you walk past is a child of God. Every person you encounter is a person who has infinite worth in the eyes of God. Every person you walk past is someone that Jesus gave his life for. Every person. Sometimes you get, you know, when when people get older, we we want to see them and and spend time. We want to be able to talk with them and hug them again because we think in our minds there's this idea it might be the last time we see that person. So we have a deference. We, 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 sort of, we, want, we make an effort. We, we really want to pay attention and, and absorb that moment. Let me just, what if, what if we treated everyone like that? What if you walked into Starbucks and you thought to yourself, this might be the last time I ever see this guy, and you just loved him that way? You know, what, what if we treated everybody that way? What, what, what if everywhere, the gas station guy, the person that cuts our hair, our next door neighbor, the cranky guy down the street, what, what if we were so conscious and aware of God being here right now in this moment with this person that we treated every single person that way? Every moment is a divine moment. Every moment is infused with eternal significance. God is here today. He's here now. He's here with us. He is the God of the past. He will be the God of the future. But he's the God of this moment right now. Okay, you can stand. Can I have the ambiance, brothers, please? I like that name. Hey, it's a little late. My apologies. We took a long time today, but uh, I want to give you an opportunity for prayer this morning. So if our ministry team would kind of make your way up here, uh, I'm going to close with prayer. And as I do that, if, if you would like to come up for prayer today, we would invite you to come and receive. I, I think a couple things. If there are things of your past that are holding you back and not allowing you to enter into what God has for you today, I would like to ask that you let us pray for you and ask God to just begin to break some of those things free. If, if you, on the other side of that coin, uh, are, are disconnected from what God's doing today or your life today because of what you hope will happen in the future in some way, uh, I would like to pray for that too, that you could really receive and enjoy God's love today in the present, right now. So either one of those things, and then, of course, as always, we, we always extend an invitation for anybody that wants prayer for anything. If you need healing today, if you just want to know the Lord in a new way, if you want to uh, just touch by Him, come up and let one of these guys pray for you, okay? Father, we thank You so much. You're such a good God, and you, I, I, know, I know that I know that You love us right now. That You'll never love us any more than You do right this very second. That we can't do anything to earn or grow or gain more love from you, that you love us right now today as much as you ever have, as much as you ever will. I pray that that love would be made known by your Holy Spirit to each person here this morning, that you would really uh, open our hearts to know you, to love you, to be loved by you, to receive what you have for us.